0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Seeds of Triumph podcast. We are all about helping service members navigate through the difficult and challenging experiences that come with serving in the military. Here on Seeds of Triumph, we will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as provide several resources, techniques, and coping mechanisms that can be used every day to instill overall toughness, wellness, and resiliency into our military force. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy what we have to provide. Today's episode is a little bit different than um, normal. We have with us a special guest, one that I was very excited to speak to, which is the Pack Fleet Master Chief. He is one of the four fleet Master Chiefs in the entire Navy, and he's a senior enlisted advisor for the Admiral of the Pacific Fleet. Um, He also has a direct line to the Master Chief Petty Officer of the United States Navy. So talking to Master Chief Tokorsik is a very great opportunity to really find out what conversations are being had at the big Navy level and what is our senior enlisted advisor population, what are their thoughts on mental health and, and what are they doing to tackle this issue of, you know, mental health and resilience, especially as we prepare for upcoming global tensions And the Navy right now is one of the biggest stakeholders in those rising tensions that are going on in the world right now. So it's imperative that our senior leaders are aware of the mental health care concerns, of the stigmas, and the fact that leadership plays a big role in addressing that care and providing those resources and even acting as resources. So before you listen to this episode, it is an interview with the Pacific Fleet Master Chief, and we talk about leadership, and we talk about resiliency, and we talk about mental health care resources. And I want you to go into this with the idea that it's not just another, you know, blanket um, conversation. It's not a rehearsed or scripted conversation. It's not, you know, these vanilla answers. Master Chief Tekorzik provides his genuine insight and his genuine philosophy, as well as his own personal experiences and what got him to be in the position that he is today as a leader in the United States Navy and, and the advisor to the Admiral of the Pacific fleet, um, which covers 60% of the globe. So I hope that this episode, if you are in the United States Navy, gives you hope that there is change coming. The future of our Navy is bright. And I hope that you stick around long enough to see it. And if you don't, at least while you're in, use his words to be better and care for your sailors and be that caring sailor and be that support. Welcome to another episode of the Seeds of Triumph podcast. Today, I have Pacific Fleet Master Chief Takorzik here, and I'm really excited to be sitting here with him as he can provide some really good advice, mentorship, leadership, and just experiences. Um, So without further ado, thanks for being here with me, Fleet Master Chief. Um, If you would just introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Yeah, thanks, Pastor uh, Briggs. Nice, nice to meet you in person, finally. Um, so, like I said, I'm, I'm Fleet Master Chief Smitty Tukorzik. Um I came to the Navy in uh, December of 89. I spent the first 15 years of my career as a flight engineer and an uh, aviation structural mechanic on P-3s. Um, I was stationed in Jacksonville, Brunswick, Maine, um, Hawaii. And then um, I did a tour as an RDC, and while I was there, I got selected for the command program. And uh, since then, I've... The CMC on John L. Hall, which was a frigate out of Mayport, then uh, VFA-213 out of Oceana, Carrier Air Wing One out of Oceana, and then I was um, CMC on aircraft carriers Theodore Roosevelt, George Washington. Also spent a little bit of time as CMC on Dwight D. Eisenhower, um, and then here in the last uh, the last couple years, I served as the as the Naval Air Forces Force Master Chief in San Diego, and then I was. Um, McPawn Smith's um, EA in uh, in Washington D.C. and then got selected to come out here and work for Admiral Paparo as the Pack Fleet Master Chief. So um, a little a little long, but it's it's a little over three decades, so it's hard to be brief. Um, yeah, I come from a small town in uh, North Central West Virginia, uh, close to where uh, WU or West Virginia University is located, about an hour or so south of Pittsburgh. Very blue collar coal mining town. Um, you know, where, you know, I didn't realize it growing up there, but that's probably shaped a lot of my thoughts on how I how I view things today, and a little bit more of, a, you know, hard work doesn't scare me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of me, me in a nutshell.
0: All right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, just in case anybody doesn't understand the role as the Pacific Fleet Master Chief, you know, what, what does that position kind of mean to you, or how? It's kind of a big deal, so I, I want you to describe it.
1: So the, uh, the Pacific Fleet Master Chief is the is the senior enlisted advisor to the to the PAC Fleet Commander, which is uh, you know four-star Admiral Admiral Sam Paparo. and uh, you know we're we're responsible for everything from the West Coast to the border of uh, Pakistan and India, and from the North Pole to the South Pole, roughly 160,000 sailors, Marines, civilians, about uh, 200 warships 1200 aircraft uh, And everything that makes them makes them move so uh, We we have we've got a ton of stuff and I don't know if you watch the news, but the Pacific fleet and Indo-Pacific in general um, you know we we have uh, It's not abnormal for us to have you know at least four of the five Threats to the United States operating right here in our in our backyard every day so uh, this job keeps us uh, very busy but it's also, uh, in my opinion, the best enlisted job in the entire Navy.
0: That's awesome. It's always good to, like, really love what you do. And like you said, yeah, uh, 160,000 sailors and Marines, that's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility. So
1: I think we, um, I think we have uh, 60% of the globe is in is our AOR.
0: Oh, wow. And so, yeah, as a, you know, CT and somebody that does keep up with the news, I'm very aware of the challenges that that we face and that are up and coming. So, you know, it's very hopeful. It gives me a lot of hope to know that, you know, the navy has a really strong, you know, force behind it, right? Um and then when it comes to, you know, these challenges and and these rising tensions, you know, we have to build up our warfighters and make sure that You know, we can handle any challenges. So um, that's another one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast, you know, just to provide some of your leadership philosophy and your knowledge and your words of encouragement um, to our Pacific Fleet, as well as the entire Navy on, you know, how we can be tough through these tensions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've been in for 30 years. You're the Pacific Fleet Master Chief now. So you've had a lot of leadership experience, um, so I really just want to ask, you know, what is your leadership philosophy and your leadership um, core values? Yeah,
1: so uh, great question. I, you know, I think you know we have our, obviously our Navy core values, right? And and those should be embedded in every single one of us. Um, it's like leadership philosophy to me. Um, I don't know if I've like you know some people will sit down, and they'll kind of do like their own charter and things like that. And you know, CEOs are encouraged to do it. I, I've never sat down and really done that because I, I guess my philosophy is, you know, I've been doing this for 33 years now, right? And if I if I had the same mentality that I did in, you know, the early 90s that I have today, I probably wouldn't be around here very long and I surely wouldn't be relevant to, you know, leading sailors. So I think really, if I if I think about, like, you know, my values, my values are, you know, work hard. Um, if you take care of the Navy, the Navy will take care of you. Um, I believe in you. Know, your family should come first. Um, I'm not delusional to the fact that when I retire, um, there's going to be a whole lot of people call me and want me to come back. So I try to make you know my command and the people around me better. You know every single day. You know our goal is to be better, better today than what we were yesterday, and better tomorrow than what we are today. Um, and I, you know when it comes, to, it really boils down to me is like I, I know as a leader, if I'm going to be effective, then I have to. Change and adapt with the people that I'm leading. A junior sailor today, a 20 year old today, thinks, acts, and um, you know, problem solves a lot differently than what I did at 20 years old. You know, when I first joined the Navy. So if I if I tried to lead, you know, Airman Takorsik, the same way that I would now lead, you know, Airman Takorsik in 2023, um, those are not going to match up, and the results that I'm looking for are not going to happen. So. Um, I kind of take pride on adapting to my environment and making sure that, you know, my goal is to make, you know, the Navy, my command, those around me better. And if you do all three of those, then you will uh, inherently be better and taking care of yourself. So I'm not worried about that side of it.
0: That's awesome. That's, uh, that is really big is the ability to adapt. Um, and like you said, times are changing, right? With technology, um, generation of the sailors now. Uh, So as a leader, yeah, being able to adapt um, can, you know, work wonders. So with that... the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, I recently went to a leadership course and I, I devote a lot of my free time just to study leadership, how to be a better leader, um, because I really do care about the sailors that I lead and will lead. And so one of the big topics um, that always comes up is emotional intelligence. And you know, some research shows that you know, some of the most successful leaders are high in emotional intelligence and you know what that is is the ability to kind of relate understand and have empathy with those that you're leading so um would you you know say that you have a high level of emotional intelligence or do you have any thoughts on that yeah
1: so i will tell you that probably five years ago i would have told you that i did not but um when i was stationed in dc uh, we got our team together there and we all did a hogan assessment and that hogan assessment pointed out some things in me that that I wasn't aware of myself, but after after seeing it and after being debriefed on it, then I became a lot more intelligent to it, right? So, um, you know, I have a tendency to be, I can be intense. Uh, I'm very uh, detail-oriented. And what my Hogan told me was like, uh, there's a a, a line item in there It's called excitability. And I'm like a 95 out of 100, (laughs) and you think, oh, he scored a 95, that's not necessarily a good thing. (laughs) Um, But what it really boiled down to was like, when I have a project or I have tasking that I want to get done, I have a way in my head that I, how I see that being accomplished, right? And if it doesn't go that way, then I was very quick to you know, kind of go off the rails. And then my agitation now, especially at this level, that filters in it to everybody around me and below me, right? Well, I wasn't aware of it you know, years ago, but then since I've become aware of it, It's made me a better leader because now I'm okay with taking a breath there. Like, okay, hey, this this didn't go exactly the way, you know, Smitty to wanted it, but it's not the end of the world. Let's go ahead and take a deep breath. Let's kind of reset, recycle, um, and, you know, let's get back after it. But I'll tell you, so, you know, you talk about adapting, you know, to your environment and and being relevant to the people that you lead. That's a part, like, that's a no kidding you know, emotional intelligence is teaching an old dog new tricks. And I would still have that same mentality just, you know, being like I'm I'm upset because this didn't go the way I thought it should. It's not the end of the world. You know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. And you know, a lot of times, you know, I say that like the innovation, the thought processing and the problem solving of junior sales today far outsees anything that, that I had in you know in the early nineties. So you gotta be willing to like open up your ears and hear what they have to say. And just because it's not my way, I'm like, I'm okay with it. If it's a faster, more effective way of getting things done, by all means, man, take all the credit for it. I don't need credit for anything. So, yeah, so emotional intelligence. You have to understand yourself if you're going to be an effective leader to those around you.
0: That's, yeah, that's very true. Very important. You gotta, you gotta be good and you gotta take care of yourself. And, you know, some of the things that you said, you know, after reading through, you know, the CNOs get, get real, get better initiatives. um, A lot of that is in there when it talks about leadership development. Um, The Navy does want our leaders to be more emotional emotionally intelligent which means that they want to relate to their sailors and you know build them up as a team and listen to what they have to say so
1: yeah like you know like I said that you know that 95 acceptability (laughs) that's a that's a get real get better embracing the red right that's not necessarily (laughs) something you you want to hear about yourself but you have to acknowledge that it's fact and now how do you uh, you know how do you compartmentalize that and keep keep that uh, tendency from uh, you know affecting those around you
0: Part of being a leader and, you know, emotional intelligence can also relate with mental health and just the mental health status of the sailors that you're leading. So what do you see as some of the mental health challenges that we face as a Navy? And if not challenges, maybe some barriers that exist?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, first, I don't know if if the challenges that we face as a Navy, I I would say that we're these are, these are challenges that we're facing, not only in the Department of Defense, but as a country, as a nation. Um, you know, and, and really, it's a kind of a supply and demand right now. I mean, we just simply, in the Department of Defense, I don't think that we have the providers required to meet the demand that, that is you know, coming at us. Um, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I know that we're trying to, we're trying to tackle this from all different directions, And I I will tell you, I'm the very first person to say that. I I don't think that every sailor issue needs to be solved with a PhD. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have have frontline leaders in our LPOs and our chief petty officers that are great resources to our junior sailors. And I just want, I want us to get to a point where, you know, me as a chief or me as an LPO, I'm not looking at myself as a resource management tool where, you know, Petty Officer Smith comes to me and they've got a problem and I go, Oh, yeah, hey, I know where you need to go and I send you off the but I want to be the first person. You know, if you're coming to me, you're you have enough trust and faith in me to help you. I want to be the person to help solve your problem. And if there's something going on that's outside of my, you know, my expertise or my training, then that's whenever I go into, you know, my knowledge of the of the of the you know, the, the system and find the right resource for you. But I think we could we could leverage um, you know, our, our, our leading petty officers and our chiefs a lot more um, than what we do and I'll tell you like I think I think sometimes people you know when sailors come to leadership with um, you know with, with challenges whether it be struggles with anxiety depression or, or diagnosed mental health issues you know leadership I think that sometimes scares people you know, like, hey, I don't want to be responsible for something but in the big scope of things a lot of times a sailor just needs somebody to talk to you know somebody that gives a damn and that they can feel you know connected to that's um, that would go so far in helping a lot of sailors that are just struggling through kind of a, a tough spot right and what that does in return is it it'll it alleviate some of the stress on our clinical physicians to where they can tend to the sailors that truly need um, some advanced care um, so yeah this is this is not a problem that's easily fixed um, I know from you know, from the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the Navy, the Chief of Naval Operations, and every leader, you know, all the way down to the most junior sailor walking out of Chicago on Friday, um, it affects all of us, and I think all of us own some of it, and we got to be creative on ways that, um, you know, that we that we solve it. There are way too many, um, you know, unfortunately, way too many suicides, and um, you know, I think as a team, there's 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 a lot of um, There's a lot of value in us focusing on, you know, connectedness, um, you know, a Navy family, those type of things, those caring things. Where I can take, you know, I I got a sailor that comes in here and is just having, you know, a horrible day. I got to be able to, you know, reach back into my my father, you know, my father experience, my Navy experience. And I, I don't have to sit there and be, you know, a mass chief. I can just be a listening ear. And you help this sailor get through what it is. And if it's something, you know, if they say something that scares the hell out of me, or they say something that I know is is beyond my capabilities to help them with, then I make sure I get them to the right place. But um, we gotta be we gotta be willing to sit down and have caring conversations with our people. And that's not, you know, like you know, some naysayers gonna say, I just want to give hugs to everybody. It's not that's not what I'm saying at all. You know, I'm talking about building a resilient workforce who can have a bad day. And they can go they can get through that bad day wake up the next morning go hey you know what? yesterday was a bad day today's gonna be better and get right back after it
0: right and trust that they're gonna have that supportive leader yeah. um trust is, is a big part of it right to be able to go to them um confide in them to ask for help if they need it and i think um you know i'm i'm very active on you know facebook groups and reddit posts and a lot of a lot of our sailors are a lot of the ones that post on there, right? Um, they tell stories or write posts about maybe a leader that they had that just shunned them off or shooed them away or made them feel like they didn't care, and all that boils down to is that leader being unsupportive. Mm-hmm. So if we can just, like you said, you know, build that connect connectedness and support each other and use the ownership as You know e1 to you know an admiral right if we all take the ownership and work as a team to fix this uh challenge right that the entire nation has of um, mental health resources we we can make it better um and it all starts with that just care right
1: absolutely i think everybody not everybody that's that's a that's a horrible generalization but like leader in general, right? Leader in general just by definition is like, you know, in charge of things, making things happen. But what we what we sometimes lose sight of is like, you know, like I'm entrusted to your care. And if you don't trust me as whether it be an LPO or a chief petty officer or just a person in general, when you're struggling with something, I'm gonna be the last person you come to and I may have all the answers to your fears and challenges, right? But if you don't trust me, you know, you're never gonna to come to me. You're never gonna get that. If you know, if I'm the person that, you know, I, I used to say on the, when I was CMC on the aircraft carrier, sailors would be like, man, she like, every time I see you in the p Wave, you always got a smile on your face. And I'm like, they're like, they're like, you yeah, know, this is a hard job. Like, yeah, I have bad days. And I'm like, yeah, I absolutely have bad days. But whenever I do, I don't project those on you. And what I mean by that is, like, I know that when I walk around, somebody's always watching me. And if I'm walking around with, you know, the sourpuss look on my face, like, you know, my, my life is horrible. Who in their right mind would ever aspire to being the fleet master chief of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, right? Um, and I have, I have, I do. I have bad days. but When I do, um, you know, I've got, a, I got an amazing wife that walks me through theirs. I have like two beautiful daughters that you know cheer me up with their uh, antics. Um, you know, I, we're human, so we're all going to have, we're going to have bad days, right? But it goes back to that resiliency piece of it. You know, are you going to, you're going to throw the towel in, or are you going to be like, hey, this is just another challenge in a, in a long line of many before I leave this earth and tomorrow's going to be a better day.
0: Yep indeed and um, you mentioned resiliency and that's something that um, I want to talk about because it is so important right um, when you're resilient you kind of have the ability to endure tougher and tougher situations. And I always like to use the um weightlifting analogy of, you know, building calluses on your hands. You know, mm-hmm. the more you do it, the stronger the calluses become and you're not cutting up your hands anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can apply that to just being in the military, being in the Navy, um, you know, accepting the challenges that come to us. So how would you, or what advice would you give to somebody who wants to enhance their resiliency and also to the leaders out there to kind of promote and push resiliency initiatives throughout their you know, divisions, departments, commands?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think first of all, I think, like, I think when you get to a point where we separate, you know, a lot of times when we talk about resiliency, the automatic focus goes towards mental health, right? Mental health is a diagnosis. Those are, those are clinical things and completely separate from resiliency in my mind. Resiliency, you know, to me is, is, um, hey, you know, you're, you're having a hard time with whatever chore it is, right? Uh, it's having the wherewithal to ask for help if you need it, which is huge. But then it goes back to that connected thing too. You you have to have trust in your leadership or trust in me to come to me because then I can help you, right? So. Um, you know, we have, to, we have to put down our, our pride sometimes. That's, that's being resilient. That's me understanding where my limits are, and if I need help from somebody, me going and getting that help. Those are all resiliency things, right? And, you know, also, too, it's, it's like we're all going to go through challenges. And, you know, and some challenges are going to appear a lot larger and, you know, indivincible compared to others. That it's being able to sit down, kind of compartmentalize what's going on, and then you know you can't eat the elephant in one bite. So you it's you know I, I say it all the time around here. I'm like it says we're chopping wood. You know you can't you can't just whack the whole forest down in one swing, right? So I'm constantly chopping wood. So when I'm having a bad day, I'm chopping wood. I'm getting through this tree because there's another one right behind it. And um, you know to me that's that's resiliency. But how you build on that is you have conversations in your work centers, right? You demonstrate it as a leader. You know. Um, if I'm struggling with something, you know I've got entrusted staff here that I rely on, and I I talk to them the exact same way I would talk to my own, you know my own family or my kids. Um, I think probably age and generational wise are probably closer <laughs> to my kids, but um, but I don't like they they know me like the back of their hands. They know me like a, like a family member. So when I'm having a bad day, it's very apparent to them, right? But then it's it's also they're the ones that I rely on to tell me like hey you know hey Fleet um, you kind of look like you're not having a good day <laughs> so that then puts me in check where I'm not projecting that on everybody around me so you have to you have to if you're going to be resilient you have got to be able to put your rank and your pride and all this stuff aside every now and then and take you know criticism uh, in a positive manner. To make yourself better because then the next time you're faced with that same challenge you will know that hey this is not as bad as what i thought it was and this is just another this is another pothole that i'm going to drive over and uh, and i'm going to make it better you know and by doing that without you even knowing it you are training resiliency to all those junior sailors that watch you and look up to you um and when that happens that's good because you're you're making money um and not even knowing
0: about it that that makes a whole lot of sense and and, you know, I just went back to another conversation that I had. I just talked to Master Chief Ponciano, right, and he he went over the the details when he was on the USS Cole um, during the attack when he was a seaman. And one of the things that he said that he points out was that the, the chief's mess was very positive and nobody was crying and, you know, acting you know, acting how you would assume they would in such a a terrible um, event. And he said he really just, to this day, you know, wondered why, you know, nobody, you know, in in the leadership role was acting, I don't want to say crazy, but I'm having a hard time thinking of another word. Um, But the answer that he got um, was that they had to maintain and set the example that everything was gonna be okay because if they were composed and collected and were able to get the job done, then the junior sailors would follow suit. And he agreed and said, you know, that that is one of the biggest things that helped him get through such a tragic event. So I, I just wanted to bring up that, that story to prove your point on, you know, if, if we just be resilient and set the example and put our pride aside, um, and show that our show our sailors that you know they can do it too. Then yeah, like you said, without effort, we'll be able to, to increase resiliency.
1: Yeah, I think you know I I think I look at a lot of things, especially in this role, through a you know kind of side picture of conflict. And you know if you're you know, you mentioned coal, which which made me think of it. You know I'm on a surface ship that's getting fired at with missiles. At that point, I really don't. I don't care so much about like what collar device I'm wearing. I'm I'm caring about making sure that my ship's in the fight, my people are safe, those that are injured are getting taken care of, and um, and I don't care. I don't care if it's an E3, an E4, or a master chief, or a lieutenant, or a lieutenant commander. Like at that point, it's Katie bar the door. Really. We're all in this together, right? Um, so yeah. So leaders leaders are not just master chiefs or senior officers, right? A leader is uh, the FSA on the Mestex who've been in the Navy for two months. You know, somebody's watching that young man or woman, and he or she may not even know it, but somebody somebody's looking to them to emulate the same way they are, you know, you or I. Um, and it's on us to make sure that we're setting a good example for them.
0: And you actually brought up a really good point. It's like, we have to train how we fight, right? And, and fight how we train. So, you know, just because we may not be on a warship or we may not be in direct combat. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm just sitting behind a desk in, a, in an air conditioned building. You know, we're, we st- like that's training, right? We're in the military and we're gearing up for whatever, you know, might come our way, so just like you said um, it could be anybody and when when things get tough or something happens if we train how we fight then we won't have to worry about anybody being in danger so yeah i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up um and then the next thing really is um you know you mentioned that one of the resources that we have kind of organically uh, to lean upon is is our first line leaders those those deck plate leaders like your LPO and and your chief and maybe even you know your your best friend uh, whether that be an E three E four E five we do have that as a resource and it's very important so you know what would you say to you know the Navy's first line leaders when it comes to supporting sailors. Um, what can they do, or is there any training that they can seek out um, to to be that for their sailors?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think first off, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if they give themselves enough credit, you know, for the for the impact that they have on, on those around them, their ability to lead, um, and their their ability to solve some of these problems that are brought to them, right? Um, so first off, I would say, you know, have have faith in yourself, um, and if you're doing things for the right reason. You know, I tell people this all the time they're like hey what's the key to success well the key to success is like to me and this has worked for me is you know when I when I, when I think of something I go okay hey, you know what's the best you know if I'm if I'm I have a dilemma right? hey what's the best thing for the Navy a lot of times you know I, at this level now I see it a little bit more but when I was a second class petty officer I'd say hey, what's the best thing for the Navy that's so far out of my sphere of influence that that, that one was normally na a right um, but like, hey, what's the best thing for the Navy? What's the best thing for com- my command? Now I'm getting a little bit closer to things I can influence, right? And then like, then I ask myself, well, what's the best thing for my shipmates? And now there's definitely things that you can influence, right? And then four things like, hey, what's the best thing for me? Typically, you know, if you answer the first three right, you were always taken care of. So that was like one of the things. But you can use that, you can use that method. You know, It's kind of like the five whys in you know, get real, get better, right? But you can use that same method for any anything that you have, any dilemma you're working on. Hey, what's the best thing for the Navy? What's the best thing for Command? What's the best thing for my shipmates, and then what's the best thing for me? And um, and you'd be surprised at how many times that will, you know, that will answer itself um, without a whole lot of you know heartache or pulling from it, right? Um, you know, the training. There, there's a ton of training out there, but the reality is, like to me, like being a leader is anchored on you know having a a genuine care for those people that are around you you know I don't say that because they oh, all people think I'm you know you're supposed to care for sailors I know plenty of people who can say that they care for sailors but then don't don't act in the same you know the audio doesn't match the video right and I can tell you like 15 years ago I was probably just like that I was focused on mission I was focused on outcomes um, and now that I've again developed my leadership a little bit more you know I've had two daughters that's probably influenced the way I look at things now and I, I look at it completely different like I um, you know it's nice too that I don't have anything to prove to anybody anymore um, so like my focus is genuinely on those around me trying to make them better and if they got problems I want to help solve them um, you know I get paid pretty well you know to to break things and solve problems uh, and I'm okay with that you know, I told CNO and get real get better come out I said I said I love this I said to me you're asking you're asking the Navy to go out, seek problems, bust it up, and find solutions This thing, I said, I'm all over that. Um, now we just need we, need, we need to get faster and get some of these things done. And then get that information out to the foot yeah. so everybody knows exactly what's what's taking place to, to make their lives better.
0: Yep, so, exactly. Very long
1: way to kind of get around and like, hey, what are you valuing leaders? But like, I tell people like, everybody gets hung up. You know, there's an eval sitting on the desk right there, right? But everybody gets hung up in this paper on what these things say. And you, it's easy to get caught up reading your own press you know and you know your eval says all these things um i want you to when you read your email, i want you to look at it and go hey is that a genuine is that a genuine article you know document that reflects me as a person and um you know and i've done it too i looked at it I'm like oh man like oh look that you're selected or recommended for this or that right look how good i am but the reality is like a leader is being is caring about your people being connected to your team able to build teams, um, able to uh, get those folks through challenging days with a smile on their face. Um, And No, that's not easy. I mean, I I say this all the time too. You you see an effective leader, right? It's easy to get somebody to follow you out of a burning building. It's hard to get somebody to follow you into one. And if your team's going to follow you into one, then you're doing okay
0: and and how do you do that right is you just care have a genuine care there's no uh, roadmap or uh, you know SOP right yeah. it, it all comes to to just caring I think that's a really good point
1: yeah when I was a, a drill st- or uh, RDC I had um, I had an, an inspection that was going on one time right one of the petty officers that was doing the inspection you know the recruits are always at, at attention, right? So when they would bend down to check shoelaces and stuff like that, they would look behind them to see if recruits on the other side of the compartment were moving. And after the inspection was done, the petty officers were leaving. I was a, I was a senior chief at the time, and uh, she was like, she's like, you know what, senior chief? She's like, I don't know what you do with your divisions, but like when you call attention on deck or uh, or you know a ten hunt, like these sailors, they do not move. Like they will fall over, passed out before they move, and uh, and she's like, I, I'm a firm believer. You know, if you walked out the night and you told them to tear the chapel down, we'd come in in the morning. The chapel would be a And she's like, What's the magic? I said, There is no magic. I said, I'm I'm hard on these savers. Right? Like I'm I'm hard on them, right? I said, But I but I also take care of them. And um, yeah, that's not that's not cuddling them or hugging them. That's being real with them. That's knowing if they got challenges, I'm here to help them. And it goes back to that connectedness. If you if the people around you know that you have their best interest in mind then they will come to you, and then that's on us as leaders now to have faith in our ability to help them and identify, you know, if we can't, then that's when you you get them to, you know, some some higher trained people.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really good, and that makes a lot of sense. so now we can get into the, you know, seed of triumph segment, and um, this this part is really, you know, the part of the episode where hopefully the listeners can kind of relate to a personal story, um, a time that you had went through a challenge or an adversity and then overcame it. And so, if you want to share, you know, your your seed of triumph and kind of how you overcame it.
1: Yeah. Um- yeah, so I, I, I gave this some thought. I could probably I could probably dig up several. Um, but, you know, the one that kind of resonates with me because I think, um, you know, I think a lot of juniors, this, this is like when I was a junior sailor, I'd been in the Navy for maybe 18 months, and uh, my father passed away. And so now, I'm, you know, I'm 19 years old, I'm away from home for the first time, and, uh, you know, your fight-or-flight instincts kind of kick in, right? Well... My my instinct was I, I need to get out of the navy. I need to get back home. I you know I, like you know, looking back on it now, I don't know really why why I was thinking that way. But it goes into like me building resiliency over these the course. The only thing I could think of was I need to go talk to this chaplain and I need to get out of the navy because I need to get back home. And um, you know chaplains they're they're a great resource and everybody thinks that they're solely there for you know um, you know religious you know spiritual reasons, but they're not. I mean they're they're absolute incredible counselors um, and I was talking to uh, <laughs> this priest in Jacksonville Florida and he asked me he said so uh, you know everything so what are you gonna you know what are you gonna do when you go back to West Virginia know, yeah. I'm like, I'm like so I'm gonna get a job he's like Oh, you have to financially support your mom and I'm like oh I'm like, well, no she she has a she has a job and he's like okay he's like well you know you have no other family there to you know um, take care of her and I'm like no I have, a, I have a brother and sister that still live there and he said, "Okay, so so you don't need to financially support your mother. You don't need to. You know, you're not the only family member that's there around her. So, um, you know, what are you going to go do there that you can't do here? And, you know, I started to think about it, and then, you know, he asked me too. He's like, you know, what made what what brought you into the Navy to begin with? And the reality was like I was, you know, I was 18. I was, you know, probably having a little bit more fun than I needed to and making some poor decisions, and." You know, I needed the Navy a lot more than what the Navy needed me. But because I hit this first, you know, challenge in my life, or I mean, it probably wasn't the first, but it was the the largest one that I had been to at that point. My initial instinct was, I got to get myself out of this situation, and I got to you know get back to what's normal to me. And um, I am so glad that 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 you know that chaplain had that talk with me because, you know, that was the first, you know the first layer that callus you talked about earlier mm-hmm. right that's been building over all these years that helped me you know, deal with adversity know that no matter how um challenging or how bad you know the threat is there's a way to get past that right? you just got to take a deep breath you got to compartmentalize work your way through it rely on your friends and your shipmates and your leaders to help you um and it will be all right um i think far too many times we have You know, unfortunately, folks that will will choose a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and I think a lot of those could be salvaged just by you know somebody having a you know part of my language, but a give a shit factor, and just being able to sit down and have an adult conversation, you know, with a sailor, and know that hey, I don't have all the answers in the world. You know, I'm never going to be the smartest guy in the room, and I'm okay with that, but. You know, I will give you 100% to whatever you need to help you get past this like, rough spot, uh, and then you know, we'll smile and laugh about it later, right? Um, and you know, that chaplain was that first person for me, but it doesn't always have to be a chaplain. It could be a shipmate, it could be somebody mm-hmm. at the barracks, it could, be, um, it could be somebody junior to you, it doesn't have to be somebody senior. I mean, resources, we, we get hinged on resources, like the chaplains, the DRCs, our physicians, And those are all amazing resources, right? But we have a ton of them, too, that we don't leverage, and that's, you know, you. You You can be a resource for me, right? I just gotta be willing to come to you. Um, You know, Chief Vegas can be a resource for me. Um, You know, the junior sailor walking down the P-Way can be a resource for me. Um, You know, a lot of times, they are. You know, like, I could be having a bad day, and I can can run into a, a junior sailor Go, hey, where are you from? And and they just have this energy, right? And you know, you know whether it's like, oh my God, I'm talking to the Fleet Master, which I don't think that's very cool, but they do. <laughs> um, and it's just that energy that comes off of them. If I'm having a bad day, right? That energy just puts that you know that spark back in you. Like, man, we work for an incredible organization, and you know I, I'd be lying if I didn't say we've got a you know we've got small percentages in there, but every every place does, right? But I will tell you, if we, if we collectively like, get stronger as a group, the ones who really care and the ones who really want to get after problems, the folks that just want to sit around and convert oxygen, they're going to have no place to go but to the civilian sector. Um, and like, I, leverage, I leverage people that want to make the place better. Um, and you know, I get around 60% of the globe, and we have a ton of them out there. Um, you know, I couldn't be more proud of them, and, I'm, and I am absolutely... Thankful that that chaplain kept me in the Navy, you know, 32 years ago. Um, wise beyond his years.
0: <laughs> That's a really good um, first kind of big challenge to have. <laughs> Not that, you know, your father passed, I, I didn't mean it like that, but you were able to prove to yourself that you could overcome such a big and tragic um, challenge. And so, you know, setting that tone for yourself is, is really awesome that you did that. And it just, it's a testament to everybody else, you know, that, that they can do it too. And yeah. every challenge after kind of sets you up for that and building that resiliency. I think, I
1: think a lot of times, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, we did a podcast on it, but like, it's the easy button. It's, I think it's, you you know, you hit the easy button and get back to what my normal is, right? That's, that's what I knew, that's what I was comfortable. But the reality was that comfortable wasn't good for me. You know, like reality was this challenge in my life and and being in the Navy and doing something different and you know, that's what I needed. Um, But I, I, at that moment, I I would have never been able to see that without going and talking to somebody you know, and getting some help. So um, I would, you know, everybody, we all are gonna face challenges. Some of them, uh, you know, different levels of complexity, but you know, ultimately do not suffer in silence. I we've got all these things. It gets back to that resource man. It could be, it could be the airman or seaman that uh, you know works alongside of you in the shop or in the galley. Um, it could be your chief, your LPO. I mean, I hope to God that you know we have sailors that are um, looking at their enlisted leaders uh, and trusting them that they're there to help them with through problems and not uh, you know not not judge and you know be critical about it. Like I'm, I'm way past that point in my life. Um, <clears throat> So, I mean, it's like we have a ton of resources, and uh, you know, if I could leave you with anything, I would say, like, not every sailor issue needs to be solved with a PhD. You know, I I talk about my very first chief, and 33 years later, I can see his face. ADC Chuck Keller, Um, the guy was my my financial specialist, my dating app, my psychologist. (laughs) Anything that I needed, Chief Chuck Keller could solve that problem. and I want I want all of our chief petty officers and our LPOs to look at themselves like their ADC Chuck Keller because they've got a whole lot of worth uh, and we're not tapping into just a you know fraction of what they can do.
0: If you want to help tackle this, you know, barrier and these challenges, be there for your sailors, right? Be a resource, know that you are a resource, have faith in yourself and like let's just work together to kind of change change the stigma around leadership and mental health and in the Navy because I I see after everything that I've been through and everyone that I've talked to that there is hope and we have a lot of potential and we're getting there Um, so we just have to be patient and in the meantime right let's just be good people and and support each other
1: be surprised the outcomes just by
0: being a good person (laughs) yeah all right well thank you for your time uh, Master Chief I really appreciate you talking with me today yeah thank you It was a pleasure meeting you you too what a great experience and opportunity to have to talk to, you know, one of the four fleet master chiefs in the entire Navy. Master Chief Tukorzik, <laughs> I always have a hard time pronouncing his name. Master Chief Tukorzik shared with us his idea of what an effective leader is. And that is somebody who genuinely cares about the sailor and about that sailor's well-being and pushing them and empowering them to be the best person that they can. Because ultimately, if our sailors aren't healthy and our sailors aren't motivated and our sailors don't trust their leaders, then they can't be effective. And the key and and the the code to being a great leader starts with just being a good person. And treating your sailors and everybody else around you as if you would your own family. So I encourage you all as you go forward in your careers, whether you're in the military or not, it's just to be a good, kind, and caring person. Because with that, you can do so much and bring so much great and positivity into this world. Those that are in a leadership position, be a resource to your sailors. Master Chief is right. There is a severe supply and demand in the entire country right now. Our mental health care demand is outweighing the supply, and sometimes we don't need a PhD. We can prevent our sailors from having to seek out those clinical resources those those people with the phds by just treating them well and not being the cause of those traumas and as a first class petty officer or a chief petty officer and just anyone in a leadership position whether in the you're in the navy or not be that first line resource to your sailors (laughs) Be that financial specialist, be the dating app, be the anything that your sailor needs, be that ear for them, share with them your experiences, your advice, and show them that you care and build that trust and connectedness. Because when we all connected and we have that camaraderie and that support, that's what's going to pull us over the edge. That's what's going to help us win this fight. So I just want everybody to remember that. The key to tackling this problem can be just as simple as being a good, genuine, caring person. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Seeds of Triumph podcast. I'm so excited um, about where this podcast is going and i just really appreciate your support for listening and all the support in general Um, this has been really great and i hope you are taking away um, something from these episodes and using it to promote mental health care resources to break down the stigma and to just improve yourself um, overall i know that throughout doing this i have learned so much and am growing into an even better person Um, speaking with all these different people with all these different experiences and background has been so rewarding so i just thank you all again for listening and for your support and uh, stay tuned for another episode next friday The views expressed by the speaker and all guests are not those of the Department of Defense, United States Navy, or any other government agency. They are strictly those of the speakers who do not speak for any other organization or entity. The speakers are not mental health professionals and do not intend any of the content of this podcast as mental health advice. If you need professional mental health advice, please seek out your closest military or civilian mental health providers immediately.